Hello and welcome to another episode of Saturday, Saturday the 14th. 14th. I am Maggie. And I'm Maddie. And uh, this is going to be a weird episode. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, though. It is. This movie was crazy, If you don't guys. know much about the Bible, you will learn because <laughs> I learned a lot about it. Yeah. I don't know much about the Bible. Yeah. It's, uh, it's wild. It's a yeah. wild ride. This is maybe one of the most... No, not the most divisive movies. This is definitely our second controversial movie in a row. It is, and it's interesting because it's controversial for some of the same reasons. Yeah. Uh, Not just nonstop rape like the last one we did. Yeah, this one is more... There is still misogynistic violence, but not really in the same way. It's very different, and it's hard to describe. Honestly, this entire movie is so difficult to describe. It's really an experience that you just have to have. It is. So highly suggest watching before listening oh definitely there's stuff in here that i would not want to know about before i saw the movie no so all i knew going in was okay it's a movie it's called mother i've heard it's kind of weird and off the like it's it's goes off the rails a little bit and it's like a lot of people like it and a lot of people don't that's all i knew going in yeah i knew a little bit more than that just because um I think you saw it a lot sooner than I did. Yeah, I saw it in spring of 2018. Okay, yeah. I didn't see it until this week. So, you know, I kind of caught up with the cultural zeitgeist and awareness of it. So I knew more about it going into it. And I I wish I had known less because I feel like it would have been an even cooler experience to just like have all of that with no preconceived notions. It was really cool, but also like... I watched it on a plane ride from Hong Kong to the U.S. And it was towards the end. We finished it, like, right before the plane landed. And so Paul and I started watching it at the same time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we hit play. And we're just sitting there like, what? Like, what? (laughs) What? It's just, it goes from, like, okay, this is uncomfortable. Okay, things are not good to, like, what the fuck is happening? Literally by the end of this movie, or, like, 20 minutes from the end of this movie, I was like, this has to be, like, the end because it cannot get crazier from here. And then it got so much crazier from there. Like, it really does. Like, it's tense and nerve-wracking throughout. And it makes you feel really uncomfortable the whole time. But, like, the last, like, 20 minutes, half an hour of this movie are unlike anything I have ever seen I've in never seen a movie life. like this before. We have not mentioned what movie this is yet. No. Although, I assume you have read the title on this podcast episode. But we are talking about the movie Mother. We are. Mother! Mother. Starring uh, the really, really cool Jennifer Lawrence. I yeah, liked her in this a lot. In this. Yeah. Um, also, Javier Bardem. Yes. And uh, Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. And then uh, Kristen Wiig makes an appearance right. at some point. Kristen Wiig shows up. Um, Domhnall and Brian Gleeson play brothers. They are also real brothers. I don't actually know who they are. Domhnall, have you seen the new Star Wars movies? I have. Domhnall is uh, Admiral Hux. Oh my god, he's Admiral Hugs. Hugs. Admiral Hugs. Yeah. That's awesome. You know what? He looked kind of familiar. And as soon as you asked, have you seen the Star Wars movies? Mm-hmm. I thought. And I was like, I, I wonder if it's him. It's hard because it's very dark. And so, like, I had to pause it many times and be like, like, I would see him from He's some angles and be like, like that's Domhnall Gleeson. covered in blood for a good part of he it. He is very so bloody for that. a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this movie is Ooh, next level wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was made for $30 million, which, like, understandable. Big movie. Yeah, and it did okay. Um, so this was a Darren Aronofsky movie. It was written and directed by Aronofsky. He kind of has a reputation for being on the more surreal side. So I think some people knew that it was going to happen. I know that he made Black Swan, which yeah. was actually a pretty big hit. It was, it like, was. one of the first horror movies to be nominated for an Oscar in a long time. I would say that that is one of his... I don't know if... That movie is very surreal, obviously. 
Um, I think it's still, I think I know what you're going to say, which is that you don't know if you consider it horror or not. No, I do consider okay. it horror. I just, I think that in comparison, it's more narrative than this is by a long oh, shot. Oh, that seemed like a normal movie. Yeah. So this is did, not a normal movie. No, it's not. He did um, that. He did Requiem for a Dream. I have not seen that. It's very intense. <laughs> uh, he did The Fountain. Which is just really weird and very surreal and I think like a I little saw similar it, to this. And I vibe. was like really not, did not enjoy it because I was like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah. But then like, of course I knew some like Emersonians yeah. who like thought it was like the best movie ever made. I like it. I would like to watch it again now because I think I was like 17 or 18 oh, yeah, I, I think I saw it when time. I was like a teenager and I just didn't get it. Yeah. And I wonder if now like us being in like more serious relationships and having like a more like because it Wait, is about a relationship. that's not the one of the clones, right? No. That's the island. Yes. Okay, cool. The fountain is like it has all the different timelines floating around in a tree. Yeah, I yeah. saw it in theaters. Yeah, because I think I was living like really close to a movie theater at the time. Um, there were nine months where we were living at a mall because our house was under construction. Huh. And so I just saw a ton of movies during that time. And so I went and saw this. And as like I was 15 or 16 when this came out. I did not get it. No, it went over I my think, head. I hated it. I haven't seen it since. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about like love and like the overarching nature of like finding the person you love. I think as adults in serious relationships, we, we, probably we like might it understand more. it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, but it's it's another one that's really surreal, really weird. Uh, and then he did Noah, which is also very biblical, obviously, I mean, it's literally, <laughs> which people did not like. <laughs> no, I've heard not the best things about Noah. I found it visually too dark to watch like oh, i literally couldn't tell what was happening at, at any point of the movie so the only other darren aronofsky movie that i have seen is black swan okay yeah which is a great movie it's to be really good um, i saw in theaters i don't think i've seen it since mm-hmm. um so i haven't experienced the wildness or i guess again i saw the fountain but yeah. i was like 15 16 mm-hmm. didn't quite get it so this is yeah. I've never seen a movie he, like I this. feel like he leveled up on this one and was I just like, was, balls to the wall, let's the go crazy. The first time I watched it, when we got off the plane, and there were some weird violent scenes that we just did not expect to watch Yeah, while in a plane. Yeah. And um, we got off, and I was like, I don't know if I loved it or if I hated it. I was having like a, a reaction, though. Yeah. And I just couldn't quite tell what was going on. And Paul was like, I don't think I liked it, but I don't know. <laughs> I watched it again for the first time today. Mm-hmm. And knowing, like, how it ended and where it went and, like, knowing the allegory that it represented, I could, like, see a lot more into it. And there were, like, yeah. a lot of small things. So, for example, um, Jennifer Lawrence, like, the first time you see her, she was, like, wearing, like, a see-through dress, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, she becomes more and more conservative as the movie goes on. And at one point, she's, like, told to cover up by yeah. the Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. And so... It's that was something that's like oh that's kind of a biblical reference right. so like the idea of understanding shame and understanding uh, clothing yeah they're just little things like that that I caught that like there was no way I would have caught without having seen the movie before yeah no I definitely think this is one that you can probably if you are able to stomach it you can probably watch it over and over again and get more out of it every time I I don't think it's that hard to watch over and over again I think it's just it's unnerving yeah and the end of it is so intense like there's just it, it's a it's a draining movie to watch that part of I think it's draining I think it's more draining the first time that you watch it okay it was still like a lot but I didn't feel like yeah as I didn't have the same like physical reaction that I did the first time I watched that this makes movie. sense 
Um, it's not like hereditary where just every time it's a huge fucking bummer and you have to watch that little girl's head get smacked off and you're like, Oh yeah. And then like, see it covered in like the ants and stuff like that. Like that's pretty bad. Like the most disturbing stuff that happens, you don't actually literally see happen. That's true. Yeah. Thank God for that. Because otherwise this movie wouldn't have been allowed to be made. Let's be real. Um, let's, All right. yeah, let's stop get into talking the... <laughs> in uh, generals and start actually giving specific details. Yes. So it begins with this vision of a really burnt out. Well, first we see a woman's face covered in fire. Yeah. And then that ends. And then we see this burnt down home and Javier Bardem's character, who is called him. It's the only way he's referred to. Um, he's never actually even like referred to. In no. The, none of these characters are ever referred to by name. Right. Um, so him uh he picks up this like crystal thing and he puts it on a little pedestal in his study and when he puts that on the the pedestal everything around him in the house sort of like it transforms into like a beautiful house and a beautiful land yeah and it's all this burnt out stuff like becomes rich and fertile and green and stuff all over again and so uh, we see Jennifer Lawrence laying in bed. Her character is Mother. Yeah, hence the name of the movie. And um, she wakes up and like doesn't know where he is. He's not in bed with her. And so she goes looking for him. Yeah. And so she finds him and they're like, you know, chatting about how she's been renovating the house. he was outside house. and came yeah, back Yeah, he in. was out looking around and he wanted to be alone and think about things. And he is a poet yes. who is struggling with writer's block. And she is basically completely redoing the house. And she's been redoing it completely by herself. Yeah, she's like top to bottom, completely inside, outside. Of this house. Um, we find out later that this house burnt down when he was a child. And, and this crystal thing in the study is like the one thing that gave him inspiration. Yeah, it was to like, like continue life. Yeah, it's like what he found in the wreckage. And so, um, yeah, there's like a scene where she's trying to decide what color to paint on the walls, and she starts like have a grayish color, and then touches the walls, and like has a vision of a beating heart inside of the house. Yeah, and then she like Just uses this yellow powder to like repaint or like to adjust the color of the paint and, and she then she more yellow yeah and uses that color instead and then just randomly this dude shows up yeah this guy just like knocks on the door and they're like we're not expecting anyone what the hell yeah and he is he's referred to as the man yeah um so we're just gonna call him ed ed harris because otherwise calling him man is gonna be confusing and let's just call him Javier Bardem, because cool. otherwise it's and mother be... we might just also refer to as Jennifer. Yeah. We might just honestly talk about the yes. actors. That's you know who they are. You've seen these are movies. very famous people, so they're not like yeah. names that we have to memorize, right? So uh, Ed Harris turns up and he's like, "Oh my god, I totally thought that this was a bee in, uh, bed and breakfast. What a wacky miscommunication!" And uh, Javier Bardem like lets him in and welcomes him. Yeah, he's like, "Great, come on in." And Jennifer Lawrence is like, "What the fuck? Why?" And uh, Javier Bardem like tells him he should like stay the night and she's like why the fuck would you invite him and he's like oh do you want me to kick him out like where's he supposed to go she's like well that's not really our problem but now I guess I don't because like you told him to come here so whatever yeah and they like spend the night drinking and partying and like hanging out only Javier Bardem and Ed Harris they offer her some alcohol and she declines and has tea instead yeah and then there's this weird scene where um Ed Harris's character is very sick and so he's coughing a lot and there's a scene where um, she hears like a coughing noise and she opens the bathroom and Ed Harris is throwing up because he's had too much to drink and Javier Bardem is there with him and Ed Harris's character is totally naked and he has this big gash. like gash on his ribs, 
which is important later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next morning she's like, you know, was he okay? Like, what was that? And they all just act like nothing happened. Yeah. And she's like, that was really weird. Yeah. And Javier Bardem's like, oh, I just had too much to drink. Like, don't worry about it. And she's like, but what? And then a new person shows up at the house. Yeah. Who is Michelle Pfeiffer, who is this dude's wife. Yeah. And Jennifer Lawrence is like, I didn't even know he had a wife. Yeah, he never mentioned his wife before. No. It's almost like she just appeared out of nowhere. Almost. Huh. Um, And so they, like, come and hang out. And, like, they're really overstepping. Like, the man, uh, Ed Harris and Javier Bardem are, like, going on these long walks together. And, like, he tells Javier Bardem that he's dying. And he just really wanted to see, like, his his poet hero, Javier Bardem. Yeah, because Jennifer Lawrence finds, like, a portrait of Javier Bardem in Ed Harris's bag. Yeah, and she's like, that's weird, and she tells him, and he's like, oh, no, he's a fan of my work. It's totally fine, which is still weird, like, because he lied to them about why he was at their house. Like, that's still creepy. So, um... And, like, Michelle Pfeiffer is really, like, way too intimate with her conversations with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. She's like, why haven't you guys had kids yet? Like, we have these kids. They do laundry together, and she's having this conversation. She, like, holds up, like, Jennifer Lawrence's underwear, which is kind of, like, boring white underwear. She's like, oh, well, now I see the problem. Yeah. And then she holds up her underwear, which is, like, this neon yellow lace thing, which is also, why was it neon yellow? I feel like yellow is, like, an overarching color, but I don't know why. I don't see how that one fits in. (laughs) Yeah, I don't either. I read some uh, Reddit theories as to the oh. yellow theory. But. Okay. I'm interested to hear those in a yes. little bit. Um, and Jennifer Lawrence is basically, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer's like, yeah, he's an older man, so you have to like really try to keep their attention, which is like, I'm sorry, why would a 49-year-old man need Jennifer Lawrence to put in atten- like, no, an Jennifer effort Lawrence to keep his attention? Gorgeous. That's ridiculous. Oh, my God. And watching this movie, I was just like, she's like a killer actress. She's so beautiful in this and movie. And she's just stunning. Like, like oh. she has some obvious wigs happening in this movie. But, like, her skin is glowing. She looks so good in this whole movie. She does. Um, But Jennifer Lawrence is basically like, you don't know me and you don't know my husband, so, like, stop talking about it. Yeah, and she wants them to leave, but they are not leaving. No. Instead, they go into his study where they are specifically forbidden from going. And, uh, yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer's character picks up, like, that crystal that's, like, supposed to be the thing that they're not supposed to touch, and she drops it and shatters it. Yeah. And they get really upset and kick them out of the study. Yes. They're banished from the study forever. (laughs) Hmm. And he, like, locks up the study. He, like, ends up, like, boarding it up. Yeah, and, like, paints over it. And he, like, there's this weird scene where he's, like, grabbing, like, the, the... remnants of the crystal the shards and he like squeezes them so hard that his hands start bleeding yes um and it's very weird and intense and she's like you guys have to go like you have to get out of here and she goes to tell them that and they're like having sex like when she comes in yeah they are and then immediately like their sons show up yeah well first one son shows up he's like i've been looking for you yeah the younger son shows up yeah the younger son and then the older son shows up right away. Pretty shortly after. And they are fighting because of a will dispute because the father changed something in the will. And now the older son feels he doesn't get his birthright as he was supposed to. See, it's it, this is a lot more obvious to you than me because I did not. I never went to church growing up. Sunday never, school, baby. I never went to Sunday school. I never had any of that. I was like, I went to church like 10 times maybe. Yeah, now. my mom still goes to church like pretty much every Sunday. Yeah. So it's, you know. Um, but... He, yeah, there's something in Change of the Well that will, like, force them to all agree whenever money is spent. Yeah, because it's a trust now. 
And, like, they get into this, like, physical altercation, and the older brother murders the younger brother. Yeah, he, like, chases him through the house and, like, bludgeons him. Yeah. And it's also funny because the older brother is, like, the only person who's, like, rude to Javier Bardem. Everyone yes. else is, like, all about him. They're, like, so reverent towards him. And, uh, yeah, the older brother is not. No. And so Javier Bardem also hits the older brother in the face at one point because he has, like, a bloody wound on his face as well. He also, like, smeared, I think, at some point, like, the younger brother's yes, blood on his face. Yes, that's what it is. He doesn't actually hit him. He just rubs the blood on his face. That's right. So, And then he also, like, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, like, sees this all go down, and the older brother, like, grabs her by the face. He's like, you know that I had to do this, right? This is the only way. Like, they they did this. They mm-hmm. took away. Like, they never loved me. Yeah. That's why I did this, not because like I'm a bad person. Like you understand, and she's just like crying in the corner. Yeah, she's and so like, she I don't ends up, like, really understand. And so everybody else, the older brother runs off into the wilderness, marked by his brother's blood. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then the and and the rest of them leave mother alone in the house to just like I don't know deal with <laughs> the emotional fallout of what just yeah, happened. Yeah, so she like cleans up. Um, she mops up all the blood, but there's one spot stuck in the floor that like it's this beautiful wood floor, but there's one spot that like kind of almost rots and is like covered in blood. And she pokes through, and the blood seeps through the floor. And it leads to like a little hidden zone little in the basement, basement with yeah. like a tank of oil down there. Yeah. And she sees that there's a light bulb. She tries turning it on and the light like immediately explodes and just like blood goes everywhere. Yeah. It's gross. Um, so she goes upstairs and just like finishes cleaning up. She's like, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. And so, um, everybody else gets back from the hospital and she asks Javier Bardem, she's like, what happened? He's like, Oh, I held the boy's hand as he died, which is like, Oh, that's sad. And then also while he's gone, though, the older brother comes back at some point. Yeah. And is like, oh, they left you here all alone. I guess you understand now or something like that. Yeah. And then he leaves again. Yeah. And she's like, this is very stressful. But yeah, they come back and then more people show up. Yeah. The mourners start to show up. So their house is being populated by all of these new people. And they're all like the friends and family of uh, the man and the woman, Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. And they're all trying to mourn the son. And they're like real douchebags. And they're super like <laughs> rowdy for a funeral. Yeah. They're like having like, try, like trying to hook up upstairs. And like this one guy keeps like hitting on her. And on, there are these on mother. people who like keep insisting on sitting on the sink. Yeah. She says over and over again, the she hasn't finished the kitchen. The sink is not braced and it's dangerous to sit on. And they're like, no, it's fine. And they start, like, bouncing up and down on it. Yeah. And so there are all these people. They won't leave. And then they bust the pipe through the wall. And just water shoots out everywhere. There's a great flood because of their misbehavior that drives all of them out of their house. Uh, and, and Mother banishes them all as a punishment for their actions. Yep. And then she and... Um, Javier Bardem getting this big fight because she's like, why are you letting all these people come into our house? And he's like, I feel smothered and miserable because you never want anybody to be in our house. And I get where he's coming from, but dude, yeah. like, come on. There's like different levels. There's actually an interesting book by Nick Hornby called How to Be Good. Mm. I think that's what this, or it's called something like that. And it's all about a guy who like finds God and decides he wants to give everything away, but he gives away too much to the point where he's like hurting his family. And it's about that, like, how can you 
do good things and give parts of yourself away without giving away all of yourself and that kind of that's like a a major theme of this yeah definitely and Um, so yeah as part of this conversation she's like i want to have a kid but like we never have sex you you can't even fuck me and he's like basically it's like oh you want to get fucked? like i can fuck you now yeah and they have it's weird it's a weird scene because it's a little bit like that gone with the wind thing where like at the beginning she's like no don't and by the end she's like yay which is like ooh. Mm, I don't know if I would have necessarily put that that way in a movie in 2017, but okay. Yeah. You know, questionable. I honestly didn't pay that much attention. I didn't even get that as the vibe. It seemed more like she was, like, upset with him. and he's But she also yeah. basically said, like, why won't you do this thing? I want you to do this thing. And then he goes and decides to do it. It's weird. It is very weirdly shot. Yeah. Because I think that that's the intention. But then, I don't know. At first, I was like, oh, God, they're doing this. And then, like, she was fine with it. So it's, I guess, okay. Yeah. Um, and they wake up the next morning. And she's like, what up? I'm pregnant. Which yeah. you cannot tell the day after you have sex. That's not and, how it and works. And she's like, no, but I know. I'm pregnant. And he's like, all of a sudden, he gets inspired. And he needs to go write a new book. Yes. And they have this wonderful time of, like, she's things are great. Up the house. Yeah. And she's super pregnant as time goes by and like he has this you know inspiration and he writes this new book and um like it immediately sells out it's like a beautiful so, yeah, poem. he takes the book to her and he's like you need to read this mm-hmm. and so she sits down on the stairs very pregnant and is reading it and she starts crying and she's like it's beautiful mm-hmm. and he's like well why are you crying do you not like it and she's like no i love it i'm just like afraid i'm going to lose you yeah and he's like that'll never happen and then uh they get a phone call and it's his publicist and or his literary he's, agent yeah his agent and she's like well how does your literary agent already know about this and he's like oh i sent it to her already which is like that's dude, a dick move. like you made it seem like this was a special moment between you and your wife yeah he does a lot of this shit he does um this is not an example as to how to be a good husband it's not but it sells out like crazy, and so she's like, yay, this is dope. We're going to make a really big, awesome dinner for you so that we can celebrate. And she is super pregnant by this point. She's, like, ready to pop. Yeah, and so she, like, puts on, like, a really nice dress. She does her hair all up. Yeah, she looks And she gorgeous. cooks, like, a huge dinner for him. Yeah. And he seems really appreciative of it. He's like, oh, this is amazing. This is beautiful. Like, we're going to have this wonderful meal. I'll help you. And then she sees somebody outside the house out of the window. And they're like, just let me talk to him. Just let me talk to him. And she's like, these motherfuckers again. <laughs> and it turns out the book has already been published and has sold out already. Yeah, and I think that's what they're celebrating. Yeah. But this all happens in like 20 minutes in the movie. Like, not even. It happens, it happens back to back quickly. to back. And it's hard to tell that this isn't all like the same day, really. Yeah, you can kind of just tell by how pregnant she is yeah. throughout. And like, she's setting up like the baby's room. And there's like a weird blood stain still because it's where the brother died and all that shit. Yeah. Um. And they just get mobbed by fans. Like, people are just showing up outside. Yeah, a ton of people start coming in, and they start, like, taking all the food, and just, like... Yeah, at first she's like, just don't let them into our house. And he's like, well, I don't want to be rude about it. And so he, like, goes out, and he's, like, signing autographs, and, like, his agent's there, and, like, is Kristen Wiig, Wiig, which is a surprise. That I was not expecting. Her character at all. is referred to as the Herald. Yes. Or just as Herald, I think. Yeah. But like H E R A L D. Yeah. So she is spreading the good word of his poetry. His incredible written work. The good book, if you would call it that. <laughs> um and all of these people just completely ransack the home. And yeah, they're like devouring the meal that she set out there. And people and are like. every time she tries to be like, no, wait, this is for him. They're like, oh, well, he said to share. Yeah. And she's like, but what? And like, there's people like camping out in their living room. And she's and, like, this is my house. And in some way she tries to like call the police. 
and then someone comes over and like hangs up the phone and takes it from her and she's like i was using that and then she says like well he said to share and then someone comes and takes the phone off the wall and out of that woman's hand he's like oh i'm taking this like he said to share and she's like what the fuck yeah just like walks away with like a landmine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they start taking things all from the house. They're, like, ripping off pieces of the toilets, like, pieces of the walls. Like, they're just taking everything. Yeah, it's, is. like, flooded with people. And they're, like, you know, rushing up to touch him, to touch Javier Bardem. And, like, there's this weird priest guy that starts, like, almost, like, interpreting Javier Bardem's wishes and, like, encouraging these people to leave, like their prayers on like a door for him it, this is where it gets insane and it just gets very yeah from here on out it's just like an entirely movie different movie yeah um, and like at one point he javier bardem accidentally gets ink on his hand and touches somebody's face and the rest of them are like oh my god it's like his symbol like touch my face and he's like putting ink on all of these people's faces and stuff um, yeah. and sometimes she tries to like go upstairs to use the bathroom there are a ton of people in it and like yeah trying, they like won't let her yeah and um She's, like, freaking out, and she's trying to get him to, like, make everybody leave. But he's like, no, it's cool. Like, And then, like, military forces show up and start barging yeah. in and, like, locking people in cages and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, like, Kristen Wiig just straight up, like, shoots a bunch of people in the head, like, yeah. point blank. There's one where uh, she's, like, just walking. All these people are on the ground. She's, like, gunning each hand. She's, like, walking and, like, shooting them in a row in the head. And she's, like, yeah. great, bringing the next batch. And she sees... Uh, Jennifer Lawrence was like, oh, good, the inspiration. Let's get her next. And yeah. she, like, has to leave. Right. And so, finally, Mother starts going into labor. Yeah. And she eventually does find Javier Bardem. And he is also pretty overwhelmed by things. But yeah, he there's a lot do going on. There's, like, hundreds it. of people. There are people in cages. Like, the walls are ripped to shreds. It looks like a war zone. It's almost as if, in their obsessive worship of Javier Bardem, They've- humanity has completely destroyed their interactions with each other, but... Javier Bardem refuses to intervene <laughs> and instead just watches it all from a distance. Yep, that sounds about right. Um, but he does get Mother into, like, his study. Yeah, they open the they study to, back like, up so she can open. be there so that we, uh, she can give birth there. And she gives birth to a little baby boy. Oh, he's super cute. And after a while, the crowds outside start to, like, calm down, and they're not making noise anymore. And she's just like what's going on and he says like do they leave and he goes out there and he's like no they're all just waiting and she's yeah. like waiting for what and he's like to see the baby and she's like big she's nope like, on that fuck no and they like give them gifts yeah they start like, bringing of, like, like fruit, fruit and stuff like that in. but also it's their house that they ripped apart so showing up with like a basket of their own fruit and clothing is like not that's not actually a gift <laughs> yeah and then uh so after the baby's born Javier Bardem wants to hold him and Jennifer Lawrence is like fuck no yeah you don't get to do that because you're not getting rid of these people if you get rid of these people I'll let you hold him but I don't trust you Mm -hmm. and I guess at one point she puts on like a sweater but like does it in a way where she never has to put him down yeah because she doesn't trust him but she falls asleep while breastfeeding him and when she wakes up she doesn't have the baby anymore yeah and so she runs outside and Javier Bardem has like handed the child off to the crowd because they wanted to see him and touch him and they are passing him along over like the sea of people and at some point the baby's neck breaks and she is like running after the baby at this point like desperately trying to get the baby back and then it, she just stops and she's like screaming at them and she's like what is going on she goes into this big crowd and in, like, an echo of basically what Javier Bardem said at the, like, wake for the sun at the beginning. And the priest guy is like, 
oh, he's not really dead. He's still alive and he like exists in all of us. And she turns around and people are straight up eating the baby. And then you see like this little tiny like mutilated baby corpse that has like all of the meat ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. And she freaks the she fuck just out fucking at this loses point. She starts stabbing people. And she starts stabbing people. She's screaming that they're all murderers. And um, they start attacking her back. Like, she's on the ground. They're kicking her in the face. Yeah, and they're calling her all sorts of horrible, horrible names. Things, yeah. And he, like, Javier Bardem intervenes. And he's like, okay, no. And he gets her to safety. But then is like, we have to use this as an opportunity to forgive them for what they've done. And, and she's, she's like, like, fuck that. No, shit. they ate my child. Yeah. Um, and so she, like has this reaction that, like, cracks open the foundation of the house, basically. Yeah. Um, and she, like, goes down to that oil tank that she found in the basement. Yeah, and she, like, stabs this, like, wrench into it, into the metal, and the oil starts pouring out everywhere, and she takes a lighter, and she lights it up and drops it and sets the entire house on fire. And it yeah. Goes and everybody dies. And then we see Javier Bardem, like, carrying her out of the and house. And he's untouched. He's totally fine. Um, she is very burnt. She is yeah, not she's doing like great. burnt to a crisp. And on, she like tells him on the way out. She's like, "I gave you everything, and it wasn't enough. I gave and I gave, and, and it was, was never, never enough. enough for you." And he's like, "All I need is your love." Like I need. He says, "Like I need one more thing. Yeah, from I need you. your love." And he's like, "It's still there, right? And it's your love." And so he like rips into her chest and pulls out a burnt heart. Yeah, and then he like crushes the heart to like crush away like the black stuff on the outside and it's another one of the crystals and then he goes back in and places it on the pedestal and the same exact thing happens at the beginning of the movie where everything is like cleared out and made beautiful again and a new woman wakes up in the bed just like jennifer lawrence and he's not there and she's wondering where he is yep and that's the movie uh, we do not do it justice. This movie no. is a fucking... That's sh- the thing. Oh, my God. When we got to the point where, like, all of the really intense stuff started happening, like, when the people show back up again, there is not... You have to see it. Like, there's no explanation. Because there is so much stuff happening. Like, literally every time she looks in a direction, there is new crazy stuff happening. And it's just, like, it's a lot of the negative effects of humanity and religious zealotry and stuff like that, like, in the current world. Yeah, first and also let's just talk like about the, people... what this movie is, because I think right. talking about the religious imagery is the first step to understanding anything else. Yes. There's a lot happening in this There's movie. There's so much going on. And the first time I watched it, without knowing, again, I know nothing about the Bible. Mm-hmm. I am just very ignorant when it comes to that. So I just had, like, no idea what the hell was going on. Yeah. And I thought it was very much like a Mother Earth, like they're taking things from Mother Earth. Yeah. Uh, as al- soon allegory. as as soon as the suns showed up and we're in a fight, I was like, oh, okay, I see what this is. <laughs> um, it is kind of both things, though, because as Aronofsky has put it, it is a story about the environment and the way that we mistreat the environment. But he wanted to use a timeline that like a lot of people would be familiar with, so he chose to use like the timeline of like the Bible, basically, through to modern humanity i guess which you sort of see some of at the end um so mother is mother earth basically javier bardem him is god and one thing i noticed the second watch through knowing this um was that whole age difference makes a lot of sense where if like god is like eternal yeah and mother earth would be very young in comparison to him right especially if he keeps rebooting that's true um so the way that he put it is uh that was the structure of the film was the bible using that as a way of discussing how humans have lived here on Earth. But it was also meant to be sort of ambiguous because that's not really a story. It's more of a structural thing. 
Um, and he also said about this, uh, I was thinking about how to talk about global things in a human way. It's very hard to understand the largest forest fire in history. It's abstract to understand what that actually means. We see images, but don't absorb it. But everyone understands if someone comes over and burns a hole in your carpet with a cigarette. I tried to take global events and reduce them on a human scale. Which is really what this is. It's like all yeah. of human history via the Bible in this lady's house. And that's really like what it, this is, though. It's really cool because like, this entire movie takes place inside of this house. Like, yes, you Jennifer never really Lawrence see outside. never goes outside. No, you see not until the end when she's being carried out. the doorway to the outside but you don't actually see her go outside right until the very end when she's married yeah um okay so we're gonna run over the biblical elements which i hinted at heavily while we were doing the summary yeah and again there are things like for example like the whole being marked with blood and running into the forest like that's something i never would have known right so basically um at the beginning god is alone with mother earth things are peaceful things are happy but he wants to create he feels the strong pull to create things yeah and she's just trying to make this beautiful paradise she like wants to make something really nice for him but he's like not satisfied with it exactly so then we see this man show up and he is immediately welcomed inside and sort of given domain over the house which is something that happens in the bible is that god creates man and is like cool you're in charge of the whole world now which is pretty much what happens which is yeah. yeah which is what happens here and and in the bible you don't get the point of view of the earth being like wait why i was already here well who the fuck is this guy yeah (laughs) but she does fulfill that role in this which i think is cool and then that night when he gets really sick you see the giant wound on his yes so in the bible uh eve was created from one of adam's ribs so thus we see the wound in adam's ribs then the next morning we see uh eve show up she talks about their two sons and she tempts the man into going up into the office and touching the crystal which of course is a parallel to eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge in the garden of eden this then gets them kicked out of the study slash garden of eden which is banned you know um boarded up behind them so i guess in this the study is the garden of eden the rest of the house is just the rest of the earth yeah no one is ever allowed back into the garden of eden after this point until the end then and the even, sons show even up. Even in the end, it's only Javier Bardem who's supposed right. to be God and then Mother who's a mother. Yeah. The sons show up. The older son is furious at the younger son because of inheritance dispute. Um, during that fight, older son murders the younger son. This is Cain and Abel. Yes. Um, in Genesis 4.15, there is a verse that says, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So that is when he takes the blood from Abel and, or from the younger brother and like gets it on Cain's face. That's him being marked. And then he has to go out into the wilderness. He's not allowed to return because then he'll have to pay for his crimes. And then, um, so there's also in, in like right in that same section, uh, there's a line that talks about Abel's blood, like crying out for vengeance from the earth. And that's like the puddle of blood that never leaves the house is you know his blood from yeah. the murder which never goes away and sort of like affects her mentally throughout like she's very freaked out by it yeah. and like as people start showing up later like people are like taking selfies with it so it's sort of like a permanent stain on like the earth because of this one violent act that happens very early on which is kind of how Cain and Abel are and also throughout the movie dude. we see shots of like this beating heart within the house mm-hmm. but it gets like blacker and blacker over time yeah. which we didn't mention right it's like more polluted and more like fucked up also yeah. there's a weird scene where there's like a bunch of flesh in the bottom of a toilet there is that's not really elaborated on at all never is no <laughs> um and so then the number of the people in the house start to multiply in this case because of mourners but still they're brought here by the actions of you know Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Um, 
and they they're disobedient they don't listen to what anyone tells them to do um they just do whatever they want and they destroy the world around them there's even a scene where they're like repainting the house and she's like why are you repainting the house and they're like oh we're doing it because we love your husband and she's like but this is my house like you're not allowed to do that um and so then eventually their disobedience leads to a great flood uh like with the great flood with Noah and his folks, which is briefly covered, <laughs> extensively covered in the movie, the movie Noah. Noah, which was actually part of the inspiration for um, Aronofsky to make this movie because he like started thinking about biblical stuff and then kind of got into more like surreal zone of it. I really like how he did this one. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. He wanted to make a, uh, we can get into it more later. He wanted to make a home invasion movie and he was like, what if it's also the Bible? <laughs> and it is both of those things. It is. Um, and then after that, he gets like the inspiration and well, first they have sex and like, she's now having a baby. Yes. And that is sort of the middle point is, um, so he writes the Bible yeah. or the new Testament, um, which is the written form of God, basically the word of God. And then at the same time, she conceives basically Jesus, Jesus. who is the human form of the word of God. Um, and now the world is being, the, you know, the word is being spread of his work and he's getting all of these additional followers and he has his herald to like help him spread the word and all these people show up and they're super desperate for his attention, super desperate for his affection. Um, and there is a lot of infighting in terms of like how to interpret his work and like how they should show their respect for him and like the sacking of, you know, um, religious objects basically even though it's just like random shit around his house yeah um and so we see like the priest-like figure who's like guiding people and how to worship him and at this point it's very obvious it's just like oh all of these people are religious like zealots and people who are like getting involved in these religious wars because they don't agree on how to interpret his stuff um and then of course their son is born their son is obviously meant to be jesus he's offered up to the crowd as sort of like a peace offering because everybody settles down and is united Um, And then they immediately violently kill him, Um, just like when Jesus rocked on down to earth and was also murdered. I rocked on down to earth. It's a very good (laughs) phrase. Hey, guys, what's up? I'm here to die for your sins. And then in the most fucked up thing, of course, is the baby being eaten as a parallel to the sacrament of communion. Yeah, literally eating his body. Which is so fucked up. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. It's very messed up. And then, of course, um, humanity gets out of control. So uh, Mother destroys everyone in a fiery Armageddon and starts over again. Or things start over again. Cliff Notes, Crazy Insane Bible. Oh, my God. It's so insane. And obviously, like, it's not a perfect beat for beat. Like, especially in the end, there's, like, a lot of, like, condensing and you know not i mean it's the bible's a super long book so i'm definitely gonna say a lot of condensation i was gonna say a lot of condensation and and it's like it was very cold and wet it was a very damp movie i would say (laughs) one of the damper that i've seen no it was um no it definitely did squeeze a ton of human history all into like yeah quick bit yeah Um, there's also like the cage is all just filled with women Mm -hmm. and they're like collecting like the horrors Right. They say that at some point. Mm-hmm. I watched it with the subtitles on, so you yeah, get like a little that's bit how you more. Gotta do it. It's really cool. I actually love watching movies with subtitles on because you do get there's sometimes lines that are like throwaway things or there are things happening in the background that you just that you don't, don't hear, know about. Yeah. Or like the priest guy was called Dullet the entire time. Like that was his name. Right. Yeah. I mean you wouldn't know any of these people's names if there weren't and they all have names like Cupbearer and the you know, all sorts healer. of healer. Yeah. Because there's like a healer who tries to help mother yeah. have the baby at some point. Right. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, so we see all of these things that happen in the Bible, but they're sort of happening with the understanding that, like, it's not just a relationship between God and humanity. There's something else involved there, which is God's first creation, the Earth. Yeah, and this is actually the first thing that I got out of watching this movie was the idea of this woman who's supposed to represent Mother Earth and that they're just constantly taking advantage of her and taking everything they can and ripping apart what she has and that she's, like, now trying to take control of the situation. Yeah. And that, like, a lot of the climate change fucked up things that are going on are because she is, like, fed up with our bullshit and, like, trying to take control. And she's ignored every time. She's like, don't sit on that thing because it's going to break. Like, there's going to be a flood if you don't stop doing what you're doing. And they're like, no, it's fine. It's totally fine. Look, we can do it more and it'll be fine. Which is, like... What we are told. Yes. People say all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, he kind of just lets everything happen because they all love him. And he just like gets bored and he, he's not satisfied with just like things going well. Like he actually like enjoys watching the chaos at yeah. times. Like it's clear that he's just like doing it all for his entertainment. Right. And he, like, he doesn't care if things are going well or badly for her because he's, like, enjoying it. This is not, honestly, a kind depiction of God. No. I would say, in fact, the idea that, you know, he writes the Bible and then is like, here, I mean, you guys know now how I feel about things, so just do whatever you want, I guess, and I'm not going to intervene, is a really scathing representation of, like, the current, or, like, the Abrahamic God. Yeah. Um... And the way that, like, I mean, I, I think that's how a lot of people kind of feel about God. I think there's a lot of cynicism about, like, all this stuff is happening right now. Like, where is he? Yeah. <laughs> so. That and then, like, I think there's also the idea of him just, like, being obsessed with being loved. And that's all that he cares about in this. Yeah. Is, like, he, and he has the love from one person, but he needs it from everyone. And he will give them whatever the hell they want and let them do whatever the hell they want as long as he is getting love. Yeah. And there's also, like. She is treated as so disposable. She is, 100%. I mean, like, everyone kind of is because he, like, is doesn't really do anything to stop people killing each other. But, like, the woman or, like, the Eve, basically, parallel, outright tells mother that, like, her husband's going to get tired of her if she can't create for him or if she doesn't do more to be interesting to him. Um, And, yeah, like you said, like, they're chilling for a second and he's immediately like, I'm bored of this and I want something else to be going on here. Like, this is not enough for me. Like, I need there to be more excitement. And then when the humans show up, they, like, appreciate her as a muse to him. But they're, like, ready to kill her. Yeah. Like, she is great as long as she like, is something were, to admire. You were important, but now, like, we're done with you. Right. As soon as she starts to speak up, she's treated with, like, resentment and dislike, which is, I feel like, kind of also how humans interact with the Earth. Like, oh, there's beautiful photographs and songs and movies and pictures and all this stuff, but, like, the second the Earth actually needs something back and needs to not just be treated like a pretty thing that we use however we want, we're like, oh, well, I don't know. It's expensive, so I guess we're not going to do that. Yeah, and then there's another theme uh, throughout this, which is, like, the color yellow is used a lot. Yeah. Um, So something we didn't mention when going through the synopsis, but... Early on in the movie, whenever she's, like, starting to have, like, panic attacks or something bad happens, like, she drinks this yellow liquid and everything calms down. And Darren Aronofsky has said that he will not ever tell anyone what this yellow liquid represents. (laughs) He's like, that is a secret I'm taking to the grave. Weird, but okay. Yeah. Um, But there are two theories that I've read. One is the popular one, which is that this is a reference to the short story, um, The Yellow Wallpaper, which is a about a woman who gives birth and it's told from her perspective and her husband has like kind of locked her away 
uh, to protect her for her health because she's going through like a depressive episode um, dealing with some postpartum depression. And she thinks like things are normal and she keeps explaining things like, oh, the bed is bolted to the ground. There are gates everywhere and I can't leave. But it's because of like these other things, not realizing that he's actually like being very abusive and horrible. And she ends up like going crazy at the end. And she believes there's a woman but living behind the wallpaper in her room. So she tears off all the wallpaper and then like becomes that woman she thinks is living behind it. And yeah. like walking on all fours and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I can see how... I mean, he has, like you mentioned, he's talked a lot about, like, how you can look to Victorian literature for yeah. an explanation. And that seems like an obvious, you know, yeah, conclusion to uh, draw. That the idea of, like, having had enough and kind of, like, breaking because of these people who are all treating you horribly. But one of the other interpretations that I read um, for this was that you can think of, like, the yellow liquid as, like, sunlight, kind of. Mm. And how when she's first trying to decide what this world's going to look like, this home of this paradise that she's trying to create, she starts with, like, this gray, and she's like, no, it needs yellow. And she turns it from gray to yellow. Yeah. And then um, in the first half of the movie, whenever she starts to feel, like, anxious or things are being too much, she, like, looks to the sun. And then, or she drinks this yellow liquid, which they say, like, like, oh, like, listen to the sun. And then when she gets pregnant, she actually pours out all this yellow liquid um, or the yellow powder that she puts into the liquid. And the Reddit interpretation I saw, which I kind of dug, was that people used to, like, worship the sun. And then as Hmm. soon as, like, Christianity was introduced, that fell apart and was, like, taken away. And so she stopped, like, embracing the sun and, like, made a replacement in the form of a sun. That is interesting, especially since every all of the really violent stuff that happens at the end is all at night. Yeah. It's totally at night until they're all gone, and then I think the sun starts to come back out again. But that was a really interesting yeah. interpretation that I read, and I don't know who this random Reddit user was, but thank you, Reddit user, uh, for that idea. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, and I really like the idea of like it referencing other aspects of religion that have sort of been lost, because that's another one that I read about um, – which is that she represents, like, the divine feminine or, like, mythological aspects of, like, feminine, you know, feminine mythology. Um, there's a really cool article on metapsychosis.com by Bridget Burke. Um, and she talks about how, like, so Jennifer Lawrence's character kind of portrays all of these, like, very feminine archetypes. Like, she's very motherly, she's peaceful, introverted, supportive, domestic, all of those stuff that are, like, typically associated with femininity. Yeah, I could totally see that. Um and he completely ignores all of those aspects, and that's what brings about the destruction. So, like, uh, the quote that I like from it is, The man wishes to be a force in his own right without feminine influence. Unfortunately for him, this isn't really possible, at least not in the world of archetypes. An imbalance occurs when the feminine is rejected. Uh, this can bring about a manifestation of the destructive feminine, or terrible mother, which can be both a protector and a killer, usually both at the same time. Think of the mother bear who goes after a human messing with her cubs. That gives an idea of how the archetype can manifest which is basically exactly what happens with her like she is trying to be supportive and positive and a nice lady until her child is killed and then she like just kills everybody yeah totally um and she's also completely ignored as like a creative partner or an equal or really a partner in the relationship in any way um again like so that's like the more powerful creative aspect of like the male god shutting down this other side of himself. Um, so she she totally rebuilds the house, you know? Which she even mentions, I built this wall-to-wall for you, and it, it's not enough for you. It doesn't matter to you. Um, she supports him. He actually seems to, like, resent her for encouraging him at certain yeah. points. He's like, you always say everything's going to be fine, but, like, it's not. It's not working, and you know it's not working. Um, 
And like when this new guy shows up, her husband is like, oh, he loves my work. And she's like, well, I love your work too. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I know you do. And like totally ignores her. Um, and there's a quote from a, an article on Bustle about the divine feminine um, that I liked, although most of it is about how to apply the divine feminine in dating, which was not super helpful for the rest of this. But um, it says, the divine feminine represents the connection to the part of your consciousness responsible for nurture, intuition, and empathy, regardless of your gender. Um, the divine feminine is the aspect of the self associated with creation, intuition, community, sensuality, felt sense rather than thinking sense, and collaboration. And when they finally like do actually collaborate <laughs> for lack of a better term when they finally actually get together sexually and like romantically things are sort of balanced out for a little while like he is more creative she is like fulfilled in her maternal side of things and it's not until he starts like ignoring her wishes again that like things really spin out of control um and also uh burke notices that like at the end he is more focused on the archetype of her rather than her as an actual person. Like he just wants that crystal that represents what she is so that yeah, he can reset super everything true. and just get another version of her. Um, which I thought was really interesting. And I do think no, there's a is. lot of ways of, of interpreting this movie. There's one more that I read too. That, okay, I read this back in 2018 when I saw this movie. It was okay. almost two years ago. I could not find it. I didn't look very hard, I'll be honest. But like I couldn't find the article today when I was looking for it. And there was some sort of interpretation about the idea of the story can also be seen as like a woman. Cause like there is the idea that like women often give parts of themselves, like the emotional labor that women do all yeah. the time. They try and work so hard. So look at like a literal, a very literal sense. Yeah. It's just like this shows a woman giving everything of herself and like trying to maintain this thing and doing everything for her husband and him just like not giving anything back and how that's something that like actually a lot of women do is they give and give and give until they don't have anything left to give and I think that it also tells that story I do I, and I do think that honestly you can just interpret it that way like you could just interpret it as this woman who has this very successful husband and she yeah she's giving everything to him and all he wants is the like adulation and adoration like from like the these strangers goes so batshit crazy like th that would be a very normal interpretation of this yeah. movie and it is something that I think is still worth seeing. And that actually leads into some of the reception this movie got. Yeah. It got really mixed reviews. People did not like it. It got like an F on some review site. Yeah, it got an F cinema score because people didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to, I don't think it's an enjoyable experience. At least not the first time you watch it. Like, yeah. I liked it more the second time. But Yeah, I would agree. Um, and the interesting thing is I think Aronofsky, well, initially in interviews seems kind of okay with the fact that it got weird reviews um there's a quote from an interview with the hollywood reporter where he says what's interesting about it about that about getting an f on cinema score is like how if you walk out of this how if you walk out of this movie are you not going to give it an f i realized that we were excited by that I, we wanted to make a punk movie and come at you and the reason i wanted to come is because i was very sad and i had a lot of anguish and i wanted to express it so like from that aspect, yeah, like not everybody is going to like this movie. I mean, even Jennifer Lawrence was uh, really not sure about this movie after they made it. Um, apparently, the second time she saw it, she said, it really shook me. I pulled him, him being Aronofsky, into the bathroom and was like, what have we done? <laughs> and I think that's fascinating. Like, it's so hard. Um and I know that she, like, put so much of herself into this yeah. movie. She, like, tore her diaphragm and, like, popped out a rib or something like that. I mean, I can see how, how she happened. does a lot of screaming. 
Um, but this movie is very like it's an emotional experience when you watch it. It, it is, is not something you can like say like oh that was fun. That no, is not a response anyone can fun, say after this no. movie. I do think it's interesting that so she and Aronofsky obviously started dating during this movie. Uh, and they broke up not too long after the press cycle because apparently after the mixed reception that this movie got, which is interesting because it is a movie oh, about no. her in a relationship with a much older man who can't handle some of the aspects of fame. No, he just like couldn't focus on anything other than people not liking it, apparently. Oh. And there's an interview with her close to the end of their relationship where she's like, yeah, I have to ask him if we can please talk about other things sometimes because like he can't let go of like people not getting it. Which I think is so interesting because that, like, Javier Bardem not being able to let go of how other people feel about his work oh, is what so destroys their relationship. Literally her relationship. I did read some of the articles talking about uh, how their age difference. It's the same. Is age, the same like, age to difference. To the year, the same age difference. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think that they're both the same. Like, I think Javier Bardem and uh, Aronofsky are the same exact age. Oh, that's crazy. So, like, I, I just found that so interesting that, like, you can make something and get that and not get it enough that you can really apply it in your own life. Um, but I also did think it was interesting that he said in a couple of interviews that he felt like he related to her character more, which I kind of also get, because I do see that element of being, like, not able to handle your partner's fame and, like, your partner's fame being so enormous. I mean, especially, that, like, like, 2017, that was, like, around the time yeah. of the last Hunger Games movie coming out. Like, you out. want to talk about somebody who can't go out in public without being mobbed by people who love her? Jennifer Lawrence during that time period was definitely that 100% person. 100% that person. And I think like, she has calmed down, like, her fame yeah. has calmed down a little bit, which I think is honestly probably a good thing for her. Yeah, it seems very Especially after seeing this to, movie. Yeah, oh my god. This is also such a, like, you could also call this a metaphor for just fame. Yeah. And, like, like what it's like to be a celebrity considered up for like public consumption in a literal or less literal way like just because they love you and they think that you they should have access to every part of your life they should be able to tell your partner how to live and like to just come into your space and invade your space and like take everything that you have just because i was watching this and thinking about like okay if you do have a famous author let's say like jk rowling or something Mm -hmm. like that who like oh at her height i mean people don't aren't the biggest fans of her right now uh but at her height, like, people would have been swarming her place like Oh, that. absolutely. And, like, I was like, how did that not happen? I realized, like, oh, that's why they get these giant houses with, like, giant, yeah. like, gates and stuff like that. It's like, this is the type of thing that they would expect to happen otherwise. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I was watching the Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix, and she just, like, casually mentions that at one point in time she came home to find a guy in her bed that she didn't know. Like, every famous person gets this kind of stuff. And, okay, maybe it doesn't involve, like, a full-on military coup happening in your, like, front hallway. But, like, to be fair, your space though, is invaded. Imagine if Taylor Swift, like, opened up the gates and was like, anyone who's, like, my oh. fan, anyone who's listened to my music, No, come, it would come. absolutely be people, like, ripping stuff they off of her the walls. Police, and, like, yeah. doing things. Yeah. Like, so, like, it is also – there's so many ways to read this movie. And it's so cool. Oh, it's and so I am crazy. now, like, the first time I watched it, like I said, I, I didn't get it. I was overwhelmed by it. I watched it in the exact worst place. Who the fuck put that as a plane movie? <laughs> it's they such a bad fired. plane movie. It's a bad terrible job. plane so movie. So again, we might not, we wouldn't be doing this movie for this That's podcast true. otherwise because I suggested it because I was like, this movie is insane. We should watch it. That's a good point. Can I read you a review that was in the article that you sent yes, me? Yes, you about can. People? Okay. This made me so mad. This is the pettiest, stupidest, me being an annoying person thing. I love it when reviews of things act like the theme was so obvious and so stupid and then completely missed what the theme is. So there's this one tweet or review that was quoted in the article that you sent me. 
It mistakes having religious references for being a good movie. I get it. We're going to die. God is our one true salvation. Blah, blah, blah. It's so heavy handed and blunt about the message that it makes you feel like an idiot. Wait, I that's don't not know. what the message is. How could you watch that movie and come away being like, yes, Aronofsky thinks God is our one true salvation. No. I could not have gotten if anything, a he's more saying, different like, vibe. If, if anything, he's being like, what the fuck is God doing? He's just yeah. sitting back and watching this and letting all the bad shit happen and not helping out when yeah. he could actually be the one person who could stop all this stuff. God, as portrayed by Javier Bardem in Mother, is incredibly self-centered, doesn't really care about humans, doesn't care about his own creations, and is totally willing to let this cycle just start all over again, wipe everybody out, and not change anything as long as he's getting positive attention. Yeah. I, like, I just, I don't get how you could even begin to interpret it that way. Oh, man. God doesn't save shit in this movie. God does nothing in this movie. No, he does nothing. He makes everything worse. I thought that was very funny. I know that that is just some random person on the internet, and I don't need to take it personally, and it doesn't actually affect me in any way. But still. But I get so mad. I love it. I think it's hilarious. Like, I get reviews where people are like this movie is confusing and upsetting and i didn't enjoy it totally fine take to have if you watch this movie and you're like i hated that and i never want to see it i get it i understand why i totally understand but it's i think it's fascinating i think so too i mean i think it's really really interesting and there's just so many like little i would love to like watch it again like do more research on all of the biblical references because there's one that i liked um in Revelations, Revelations 21.1, there's a verse that says, or in 21.2 as well, uh, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And what? I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Oh my God. Like, there's just so many little Wait, cool things. it literally says, like, oh, this, yeah. we did this once, it fucked up, Let's yeah. see, we did it again. Yeah, after the world is lit on fire because... Of man's indiscretion. Like, that's so There's so much there. And I do think at times that, like, okay, maybe the fact that everything just resets kind of muddles the, like, we need to save the environment because everything's going to die and it's not savable is, like, a little bit muddying the waters, you know? Like, if it is just a cycle and we can just reset and, like, do it over again, like, that, I guess all humanity will die, but, you know? Yeah. There are some aspects where it's like, okay, some of the biblical stuff takes away from the environmental stuff because it's so biblical and yeah. it's not as environmental. But I don't know, because yeah. I think the the environmental, I think, is like the easiest to read layer yeah. for people like me who aren't super familiar with the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then the next layer after that is the Bible stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess you could say the first layer is like the women giving too much of themselves away. True, yeah. Then the next layer after that is the environment. The layer below that is the religious one, is how I'd say it. I would say, and I don't know, because, I mean, again, like, I kind of came into it having a little bit more of that background. Did you find the ending to be unbelievably confusing when you didn't, like, if you weren't viewing it from a religious perspective? I was like, what the fuck is going on? Okay. Well, I think it was just, like, I think not watching it from a religious perspective. I think I kind of got the idea that he was supposed to be godlike. Honestly, Paul got it more than I did, but he also has a lot more experience with religion than right. I do. Like, I have little to no education about religion. Yeah. Um, I would think that it would be, like, you would kind of need to have some understanding in order for that. And maybe that's why a lot of people found that ending to be, like, a nightmare and, like, totally bamboozling, I also for think lack the of average person has more religious understanding than true. I do. That is true. I am, like, an outlier <laughs> in not knowing very much. That's a good point. Like, I would certainly say that I have 
like I went to church a lot as a kid and I did Sunday school and all that stuff. Um, but I don't, I've never really been like a big Bible study person or anything like that. So it's not like I have some depth of knowledge on the subject. So yeah, I guess it's probably safe to say that most people viewing it have at least an understanding of what their religion is. Yeah, no, that's an area. Is. And honestly, after watching this part of me, I was like, should I just like read the Bible so that way I can... It's so boring. I know, that's the problem. Because you think it's going to be cool because a bunch of crazy stuff does happen in the Bible, but then there's like seven pages of like, and then Ezekiel begat Jehovah and this person, well, not Jehovah, but... <laughs> but still, like, you were talking about, like, I've heard the story of Cain and Abel. Yeah. I didn't realize they were Adam and Eve's kids, honestly, because, like, I just have I heard right. the stories. And so I need, like, a abridged Bible that is not for children because they take out all the fun stuff. Yeah. There's probably, like, a YouTube channel that's just, like, quick Bible stories. Yeah, but I realized, like, that I actually I think suffer. Um, so it's, like, I just don't get a lot of references because mm-hmm. there's a lot of media that makes biblical references that just go over my head because yeah. I don't have that education. Yeah, and the difficult thing is that um, if you're not actually religious, getting that is very difficult and kind of boring because it either comes from a very, like, let's read about God's salvation, which is, like, not what you're going to be invested in because that's not you're not religious, yeah. so that's not going to hold any appeal for you, or... Yeah, it's, like, the very childlike, or, like, the super shocking, like, the passages about, like, prostitutes in whatever city. That's so weird. There's a bunch of really weird shit in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's tough because, like, there's not, yeah, there's not a, a, an easy way to get all of that information without getting, like, a very watered-down version of it. And I would <laughs> say that while going through, like, 10 years of Sunday school was interesting from some angles... I don't know that I would recommend doing it as an adult. Nah, I'm gonna go roller skate instead. <laughs> yeah, I think that's maybe listen to a podcast about a podcast Bible history like a good way to go and, for and, and do some. I'm sure there's some sort of moves. like Bible abridged podcast. Probably, and honestly, it's probably pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that I would love to read like a or like listen to like a non-religious Bible podcast. Yeah, I'd be interested in that. Podcast. God, I cannot commit to doing a non-religious God, no. Bible podcast. <laughs> Uh, it's just me reading books of the Bible to you and you being like, why is this happening? Oh my God, that'd be so funny though. So in addition to people just like not quite getting it, there are also a lot of accusations of this movie being like misogynistic. Yeah, this is actually something that made me think about our last episode, I Spit on Your Grave. And it's funny because Maggie texts me saying that like, a lot of people think this is misogynistic, but they're not quite getting it. I start texting back, it reminds me of Spit on Your Grave. And as I'm typing that, she texts me, it's just like I spit on your grave. <laughs> and we both had that same idea where different reasons, it's not a very long, drawn-out, violent scene towards women. There is violence there are, towards sorry, women. There actually are a lot of long, drawn-out scenes that are violent towards women, but in a different way. It's not like just sexual assault repeatedly yeah. for There's also a lot hour. of gaslighting and... Um, it's a lot of emotional abuse. A lot of emotional abuse, a lot of objectification, and like grody guys like aggressively hitting on her and like calling her horrible names when she doesn't go along with it. That and just like every way that Javier Bardem treats Jennifer Oh, Lawrence he treats her movie. so badly he in this movie. He treats her horribly and just completely takes her for granted. And, and he's like, oh, like, I love you, but like he doesn't. No, there's a lot of gaslighting on his part. Yeah. Um... And so seeing that, like, there's definitely a difference between misogynistic acts taking place in a movie and a movie being misogynistic. Yeah, I would say that this kind of does the same thing as I said on your grave, where it shows you this very extreme version of it, 
But to make the point that, like, this is wrong. Right. Because she never does anything wrong in this movie. She's just like, why are all these people in my house? I just want to hang out with my husband and, like, repaint the bathroom No, or you're whatever. 100% on her side the entire yeah. movie. In the same way with, like, I Spot on Your Grave. Like, the whole reason why they did that was to show you, like, to get you to try to, like, experience some of the pain that she experiences. So you right. can, like, connect with her as a character. And you can understand how horrible that act really is from the victim's perspective. Yeah. And then this is doing the same thing. We're like, understand everything that we are doing to the earth everything like how are you mistreating the world around us from its perspective and how unspeakably entitled it seems when you imagine somebody walking into someone else's house and being like cool so i'm just gonna be here now and, and i'm, gonna I'm, take I'm gonna take your stuff to, like, destroy your house along the yeah way. and then i'm gonna eat your kid like yeah i, I think if it wasn't so extreme it, it wouldn't be as shocking and therefore the message wouldn't be as clear but I do think that's interesting that I think that a lot of people kind of have that knee-jerk reaction of seeing something like that. And I understand that it's very difficult to see. Like, I don't enjoy seeing yeah. that kind of stuff in a movie, but... And then there are movies that just actually... Because like, there are movies that have these bad things. They actually feel like the director's saying, like, misogynistic things. I mean, that's the whole reason why, like, I hated Drag Me to Hell so much was it just felt like the director was like, oh, this woman tried to be a real grown-up businesswoman and now she's going to go to hell for it. Yeah. And there's nothing she can do because she tried to do the man's job. And I was like, fuck that shit. I'm in business school. I'm going to do the man's job and I'm going to not go to hell just because I can stand up and do businessy things. Yeah, and I honestly think it's interesting that... Um, I think to me it's much less common for a movie that is legitimately misogynistic to have overt misogyny in it. That's true. Like, in a movie that has a misogynistic perspective, you almost never see a gross guy coming up to a woman and being like, unless it was made in, like, the 80s, coming up to her and being like, you got a nice ass, do you want to go upstairs or whatever? Like, you rarely see that if the perspective of the movie is legitimately, like, men are better than women, women are there for your entertainment. I don't know, Drag Me to Hell had, like, a little bit of that. A little bit. But I also wouldn't say it's like, it's definitely not like a horrible offender. There are just themes no, that I really didn't agree with. No, I don't think that the perspective of that movie is intentionally misogynistic. I think that there is a lot of unexamined misogyny in the writing process of that. Like, I definitely think there are some overtly creepy movies that are mostly like bro comedies from like the 80s where like the main characters treat women terribly and it's never really examined. But I... Yeah, I don't know. I almost think it's more misogynistic to have, like, the tough girl character who's, like, super sexy and her boobs are out the whole time. And she needs a man to come and help her at the end because, like, she can't, you know, like, those kind of things where it's almost like it pretends to be more feminist than it is and doesn't, I don't even know. No, I completely know what you mean. You know what I mean? Like, where it's like, oh, they're trying to be like, look how strong this woman is. But, like, okay, the man's clearly going to save her, though. Yeah. That's rough. Or the idea. There are also just movies where, like, all the women are side characters and, like, they die or really bad things happen to them. Yeah. In order to drive the man's plot. Or there's just, like, no women characters of, yeah. I was actually having a conversation about uh, the new Birds of Prey movie and how Oracle's not in it. And Oracle... Um, was one of the original founding members of the Birds of Prey, and she is uh, Babs, mm -hmm. um, Barbara Gordon. And she was Batgirl, but she was shot in the spine by the Joker in order to drive um, this plot for uh, Commissioner Gordon, right? right? And that has been, like, one of the biggest examples of, like, women in fridges where the idea is, like, oh, you hurt a woman in order to make an interesting plot for a man. Yeah. And how, as like, I wouldn't be surprised at the reason why they didn't include her, was because they just want to not ha have that be lore in this universe. And yes, they could have made her disabled some other way. I actually but think it would, would be, be like a reference to that. I would be interested to see a, 
like her as an actual main character being angry about the fact that something horrible happened to her that affects her life forever because some guy was trying to get at her dad. Yeah. Like, if it was centered on There's her... There's also, like, a lot of themes of, like, sexual assault. Yeah, that... Like, it gets rough and... Right. I wouldn't necessarily say it should be done exactly as it is in the movie, but I still think that there is an, inter- an interesting way of reframing that character in a way that actually centers it on her. Kind of like this movie does with her, where, like, technically, most of the drama is about Javier Bardem's relationship with his humans right basically yeah. god and god and humans but it kind of recenters all of the hurt that's being done to really focus on her and actually make it about her story and how she's suffering through this i wouldn't stuff. be surprised if they just want to retcon the whole thing because of how bad it was i can see that too and i think they're actually planning on coming out with a batgirl movie oh that'd be cool but provided they don't go in a full alan moore direction <laughs> yes, oh god no i'm sure they will not they've been doing a pretty positive direction but i come from that to say where how i don't remember how i got on this tangent Women in refrigerators. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so, like, going back to my original point is that you do see a lot of situations where, like, back in the 80s, it was very common for us to be like, oh, we're going to throw away and kill this woman because it, like, makes it more interesting for the man and or do even worse things in the case of uh, Babs. Babs. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, yeah, I almost feel more comfortable seeing – if we're going to see the brutal violence, I want it to actually be focused about the woman and how it affects the woman and the way that women are treated, which this movie is largely about, is how women are treated and in society. ideally, what does she do with that? Right. And it doesn't always need to be revenge, but, like, sometimes revenge is nice to watch. Yeah. In this one, it's definitely uh, fits with the theme very well. It wouldn't really make as much sense if it wasn't revenge, but... Same with I Spit on Your Grave. But there are other ones where it's like, okay, they take something bad that happened to them and grow stronger and, like, don't necessarily take horrible, violent revenge. Yeah. But then that wouldn't be a horror movie. Right. And this is a horror movie. Yeah, I would call... This is, like, kind of an edge case for a horror movie. Yeah, apparently he wanted it to be, like I mentioned, he wanted it to be a home invasion movie about, like, terrible guests that would never leave. And then he just done Noah, which is very biblical, and so he got to thinking about humans as terrible guests that will never leave (laughs) yeah and we got mother so um anyway i think that's about all that we have to say about yeah i mean experience this is definitely one of those that i feel like you could just sit down with someone and talk about it for a really long time but in a sort of one-sided conversation with you lovely listeners especially um, because we like are on the same side we've also been talking about it for literally days yeah uh (laughs) kind of mothered out but (laughs) I will say the last couple of movies have not exactly been what I would call fun. No, I would say they're not fun. They're not super duper fun. What did we do before I Sit on Your Grave? Jack Frost. Okay, that was fun. That was fun, but not good. But not good. I I think that right now we really need something that's both like a lot of fun and also like a good movie because, yeah. God, I just want a fun, good movie. And also because we have our own Saturday the 14th coming up. We not do. our own. It's everybody's Saturday the 14th. It's just going to be... The 14th of March is a Saturday. Because we are called Saturday the 14th. Yeah. Also, it'll be my birthday weekend. Yeah. So it's a very special birthday weekend. Yay. It's weird that, like, all the people close to me in my life are Pisces, Pisces, Pisces. Pisces. Yeah. Yeah. Not all of them. Most of them. Tim's birthday is a week before mine. So we're a little Pisces couple. I love it. Which means we're always daydreaming about things. And And then I never, ever do the dishes. Sitting in the corner, walking (laughs) sideways. Yep. Crab walking. Yep. 
We're all just water signs. We're all just very emotional people together. It's very true. But anyway, yes, uh, because we have a Saturday the 14th coming up, we're going to do an extra fun episode. Yeah, we are going to do one of my favorite goofy horror movies with a stellar cast. Uh, we are going to do Cabin in the Woods. This is also a movie that I saw knowing nothing going in other than it was Joss Whedon and a horror movie. And honestly, those two things were the, that was a perfect amount of information. All that you need to know. So if you haven't seen it, go see it and don't look up anything else. No, just have it. Just, just, just go into it having fun. But yeah. But anyway, yes, we will see you next on Saturday the 14th. And until then, be good, stay spooky, um, and uh, drive safe. Text us when you get there. We love you. Bye.